0: All right, here in Jesus' model prayer, the emphasis toward the end, starting at verse 12, gets into forgiveness. It starts to talk about forgiving from an aspect of debt or indebtedness. And then Jesus begins to talk about allowing us to be led into temptation. But then also it talks about how the Lord will deliver us from the evil one. That being Satan, and he goes on to say, "For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever." Amen. And then it's interesting here in verses fourteen and fifteen, Jesus comes right back and talks about forgiveness all over again. You in Matthew? I'm in Matthew six. You right there? So he goes right back into forgiveness all over again. If we remember from last week, we talked about that Matthew was written to the Jews. And so from this passage of Scripture, this context lets us know that Jesus, the words that Matthew remembered, the Holy Spirit led him to a particular area to focus on with those Jews. And this lets us know that the Jews had a problem with forgiveness. So right in the middle of learning how to pray. Succeeding it, it comes right into forgiveness all over again. But when the believer looks at verses 14 and 15, if they understand biblical forgiveness from Christ's perspective, they should have a problem with this text. And that is, if God has forgiven us of all of our sins on the cross, then how can now, writing to the believers, he say that if you don't forgive others, that he or the Father will not forgive you? So now we have to grapple with this text all over again to ask the question, what is Jesus saying to us here? What kind of forgiveness is this? And so when we begin to look at this text, we look back on what we understand from the concept of forgiveness, and we understand that get forgiveness is what? When, when we talk about Jesus' forgiveness of our sins, what has he done for us? He died. For he, us. Yeah. He died. And he died for us because? We were Because we were sin, And we have sinned. And he died in our place, right? Right. And so his forgiveness... It means that he paid our debt. debt. Now the Bible teaches us that it's a once and for all forgiveness of our sin. He is the the biblical term propitiation. He is the satisfier of our sin debt, and it's once and for all. So we don't no longer have to do like the Old Testament believers did and have to go back and forth to the altar morning and evening with lambs, bullocks, and and, and birds to be sacrificed for their sin. So if we are forgiven, and forgiveness from Christ's perspective says that, that he no longer remembers them, he no longer will bring them up before us, what is happening here in this text? What must the Lord be saying to us when we look at this, when he says, if you forgive men their trespasses," then the Father will forgive you. That's not the formula for forgiveness, is it? Is it? Are we saved because we forgave somebody else? That's not. So we must understand that this forgiveness here must not be the same kind of forgiveness that we know of as far as the salvation forgiveness or the positional forgiveness, the once and for all forgiveness of our sins. So what is the Lord saying here? Looking at verse 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you.
1: Well, he paid the ultimate price for sin in general, uh, the sin last time for the sinful. That's right. It's the big picture, but every day we're in spiritual warfare. So we, to get closer with God, we have to go to God and we have to forgive others through, you know, the Holy Spirit, through our prayer, because they can't pay the count for the sin they've done for us. So we're continuing that relationship with him and getting closer and stronger with him as to him to forgive us, uh, forgive others as he forgave us. And we just got to keep it in contact that every day we're living in a sinful world. And because we were born sinners, there's going to be sin in us. All right. So we have to go to him and ask for forgiveness. And we also have to remember, just like he forgave us, we have to forgive others.
0: All right. All right. Now, in that scenario, if there is a person whom you have not forgiven, and this text says that he will not forgive you, what does that look like? Blocking your blessings. Ah. So now we're getting to this world of blocking your blessings. Because we know it's not the forgiveness that was the once and for all forgiveness. So we know this is a situational type forgiveness. So what has happened here is we now our blessings are being blocked. But we go deeper into that. What what does that really mean? When we look at this. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the, your father forgive your trespasses. Well, how can you grow
1: stronger with him? How, how can you grow and trust him if, if you can't forgive, if you can't turn it over to God? I mean, you actually, you're, you're, putting, you're putting a shield up in between that relationship with God.
0: With God. Now, there's a, there's a shield coming up here. Okay, so now we got, we've got two relationships we're dealing with. So we've got a problem here with God now. Clearly we've got a problem if he says he will not forgive you. But then on the, on the horizontal, you've got a problem with your brother or your sister because you will not forgive them. Now, let's stay in the horizontal for a moment. Let's imagine that Sister Edwards, Sister Morris did something against you she and hurt you. It. Oh, girl, you <laughs> messed up. <laughs> and now, now I you're said, hurt. I that word. And she said, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? I be and you apologize. And she said, you know what, nuh-uh. Uh uh-uh. uh, that that is not she good can't enough. Me she I'm not
2: talking about it. Uh, so you forgive somebody, for some you don't keep talking about it, do you?
0: <laughs> you working it? <laughs> you are working this biblical forgiveness right, right quick? Right. <laughs> so now now you said nah, uh-uh, uh-uh. no uh 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 no. Did not even realize I, I done it? You didn't realize that you had done? No, it? No,
2: until after the fact, till so she said something, and I still didn't still didn't
0: remember doing it, but I still apologized. Because then you knew that there was an all, and you needed to get that straightened out, didn't you? <laughs> and then when you, now let's imagine if you turned to her and she said, Mm-mm, I'm not, no, I'm not receiving that. And you feeling bad about what you did, right? By her saying, no, I, I, I'm not going to forgive Which, you. I
2: mean, how can you feel bad about something you don't know you've done? Well, I, <laughs> no I'm not playing no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm saying but in reality yeah. though just as like you know how they we were talking about last week that's right. if you sit mad at somebody they don't know you mad at them so how do you feel bad you know what I'm saying you, you don't you don't uh-uh.
0: you just keep going huh? that's right in that scenario yeah you don't because it's us all on the other person who has the trespass right. to bring it to you yeah. to let it's you know change. what has happened but if you don't know then you go on your merry way right. there's right no on. there's no impetus to ask for forgiveness right there's no impetus to do anything because you don't know that anything's been done. Exactly. But in this scenario, you know, she knows you ask for forgiveness and you feel bad about what you've done, but she says, I'm not going to, you know, that's not good enough. I'm not going to, I'm not forgiving you. I'm not accepting your apology. How would you feel? I mean, I would feel like I'd
2: done my part in it. Okay. And at that point... I'm going to I feel like I'm not I I you know my blessings are not going to be blocked because I did the right thing. She's blocking her
0: own blessings. Okay. Okay. She's blocking her own blessings. But how think, how would you feel? How I
2: think, how, I mean, how I I that make feel, you feel? I mean, I would feel bad, but at the same time <laughs> no, honestly, I'll be like, oh, well, I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But it's still a certain part in you, depending on your friendship or your relationship with that person, All right. that you will still have, you know, some bad thoughts, some bad feelings.
0: Okay. You feel, your feeling would be, you feel, and we say bad, but you brought out some other points. What was that else about that relationship? You said, yeah, I feel bad, I, but there's something about your relationship. What would you it's feel?
2: based on the, the standards of the relationship, the, uh, the strength of
0: it, yeah. Yeah. You feel you feel you feel a weakness in that relationship, right? Right. Now if you got a weakness in your relationship with Sister Edwards and you feeling bad, how does that affect how you guys do how how you move forward with doing anything? You're not gonna wanna move forward because you feel like
2: You know what I'm saying? You feel like, well, I apologize. She hasn't forgiven me. And you're still feeling bad. And then she still has her, you know, thoughts or her own, you know, personal feelings towards the
0: situation at the same time. Uh-huh. So now you know that she still got this feeling of, you know, she's still hurt and she's not willing to forgive. You know that you feel bad about what you did and you've asked for forgiveness but she's not receiving it, even though you know that there's nothing else you can do about it, you do feel bad and you feel a weakness in your relationship which then immobilizes your ability to do anything. So now, here's a portion of the body of Christ that's not feeling good, has become weak, and is immobilized. But even in the midst of that, do you feel, would you as the person who has has, made the, has, has made, done the wrongdoing or whatever and has asked for forgiveness, knowing that you haven't got forgiveness from your sister, would you feel any heaviness out of that? Would, you, would, you, would that be a, something that would just be weighing on you because of how you love your friend, yeah. how you love your sister, and it would be a weight, wouldn't it? It would be, it'd be a weight. That each day, when it comes back to your mind, that you know that this unresolved issue is here and this forgiveness—I mean, we, we can't go on because there's forgiveness in life. So now you carrying weight. So now you waited. Your relationship now is weak. You can't move forward doing anything because the relationship is in trouble you are mostly feeling bad, right? Mm-hmm. So now all these feelings are working together on the one who has not been forgiven, right? So now, in this scenario, looking at this text, first we start off with that relationship. If you do not forgive men their trespasses or you do not forgive your brother or your sister, then the Lord does not forgive you. And we're saying, your heavenly Father does not forgive you. But that's
2: the other person. Though.
0: That's the other person. Right. That's the person without that's that, that not, will not forgive. Yeah. So now, look what happens. Because there's, there's a nuance here in the Greek text about this too. But it's not necessary to bring this out to actually see what the Lord is saying. First of all, we delineated the relationship between... Brother and sister, sister and sister, we've gotten that priest. And we know this is what, at least some of the things that's happening in that relationship with the one who needs to be forgiven. Then the Lord says the Heavenly Father will not forgive the one who refuses to forgive the other brother or sister. So now there's another relationship. The one between God and that person. God and that child of God. And guess what's going to happen to the child of God who hasn't forgiven you with God doesn't forgive them? What do they start to feel? The
1: same things. The same things. Uh, can I, can I okay. add something to that on yeah. that person that? Ask for the forgiveness. Okay. Action causes reaction. All right. So it can cause you to get bitter too within that yourself. The one that's not forgiven, the, the one that's asking for forgiveness. Right. So it could cause you to get bitterness because you're human in the human realm. You could get bitterness because you feel I've done all I can, and you know, and yeah, this relationship is weak, and I don't want to be bothered, and I want to keep my distance and all. So we have to be careful, even though we know we've done it all. We we'll ask for the forgiveness that we don't let it uh, dwell in us where we hinder our relationship with God, where we get immobilized with God, even though we
0: ask for the forgiveness from that person. All right. All right. So, yeah, we got that. That's exactly right. So, in in a secondary way, that's right. The person who has the forgiveness that hasn't been received or hasn't been given by the other, the one who needs forgiveness for their trespass is being weighed down, Mm -hmm. is being shut down, can become bitter, right? Right, right? And so now that person... Is not able to operate even individually. Mm-hmm. And so now you got two people and not doing nothing. Right. Not that only is so the right. one, that's right, not only the one that didn't forgive, but the one who hasn't received forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So now in the body of Christ, there are two members no, at no, least that can't do nothing. That's right. Now look at the Lord. Look, look, at, look at the Father. The Father saying, now hold on here. Now my body is going is becoming sick because of unforgiveness. And so the father says, now the one who hasn't forgiven may feel like they are justified in their lack of forgiveness. But I'm going to show them in their relationship with me when I don't forgive them what that feels like. Because we know it's not about you losing your salvation. But now all of these emotions, now all of these issues are now put on that person because the relationship with God is Mm strained, And so now, not only can the unforgiving person not be able to do anything, the unforgiving person is not functioning. And now God is putting the weight of your unforgiveness back on your shoulders Mm -hmm. by doing it through his unforgiveness. But why is he doing that? Because he felt
2: like he forgave you for all your sins, so you should be able to forgive your brothers and sisters.
0: All right. Now watch this. Look at that text real quick. And you're, you're on target, but check something else out here.
2: 14.
0: 15. Or either one. Who is it in the Godhead that will not forgive you when you don't forgive your brother or sister? God. Which one? You know, Father, the, the Father. Father. All right. Oh, I keep like saying Father. Yeah, the Father. The Father. Now, it's the Father that's not forgiving you. But who forgave you of your sins the once and the for all? The Son. That's right. We see two roles here. We see the role of the son as the propitiation for sin, the one who gave his life and gave the once and for all forgiveness of our sin. And then we see the father as the one who uses forgiveness in our everyday lives, not for our salvation, but for another reason. And so he's using unforgiveness from the perspective of, He's not sending you to hell, but he is now putting the weight of an unforgiving spirit back on the person who will not forgive as the one who will not forgive has put on the one who needs forgiveness. Now, looking, knowing the Father, knowing the Son, knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing God, the Father is looking at his children, right? Now, let's get to that relationship. Father, son, father, daughter. What is the father seeing in the one that now he won't forgive?
2: The weakness.
0: What is he seeing in which one? The one
2: that he won't forgive. The the, the non-forgiver. Yeah. What is he seeing?
1: seeing, Hypocrisy. He's seeing that you can... Say you forgive and I could forgive you and you can accept that and everything is good. But in the same terms, when it's
0: done to you, you can't forgive. You can't forgive. And the father knows that's a problem, mm-hmm. a serious problem. So now the father is using unforgiveness towards that person for a greater good. Mm-hmm. And it's not to send you to hell, but to do what? So you could grow. I was going to say to grow. Okay, we're on target. We're on target. It's to grow. And to be able to build a relationship with him? To build a relationship with the father. Now, your relationship with the father, that one that will not forgive, has been damaged. Okay. Right? Right. Because that person won't forgive their brother. So the body of Christ is hurt. Now, the father sees this issue. And the father says, okay. All of this that the burdens that you're putting on your brother or sister, I'm going to put on you. you. And what is the father's purpose as a father to the child? What is the father trying to do? He discipline. To there it is right there. Discipline. This text is all about the father's discipline of his children. Children do, right? He blesses them. Their relationship is strong. When they do wrong, he disciplines them through breaking down their relationship. Because the weight of the Father being unforgiving toward us, he's only being unforgiving toward us enough that we feel the pain of what what we have done. That's right. And what he feels about what you're doing to your brother or sister. And he won't get off of this. He will not get off of that forgiveness until when? Until Until you have forgiven
2: your brother and sister.
0: Until you have forgiven your brother and sister. So the father is using that, that text right there. The son has given us positional forgiveness. Once in all, forgiveness of our sin in his role. But now, our new role, because the son has now put us in relationship with the father, the father, just like any good father, is disciplining his child. His child is not doing right. And the father is so wonderful that he will take that which you are afflicting to others and put it right back on you. And ultimately, the father is doing this because he... He loves, loves us. That's exactly what it is. Because he loves us. The Father and Jesus Christ is saying in this text how the Father relates to us in love and in a serious issue regarding forgiveness. Because he loves us so much, he wants the best for us. We know that Romans chapter 8 says all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even this act where God is being unforgiving toward an unforgiving child, it is for our good so that the weight and the pain of the unforgiveness of the father will break the child And and cause them to become an unforgiving spirit toward their brother or sister. Does that make sense? And so, and then once that unforgiveness is given, then God forgives us, forgives the unforgiving one. Now the relationship comes back together. Not a relationship in the body between the members are back together. Not a relationship between the unforgiving uh, child is now back straight with the father and for the one who needed to be forgiven. Because there's trouble for the one who needs the forgiveness, too, because of all these issues, they're undoubtedly having trouble with their relationship with the Lord, too. Because they got some things going on here that's very heavy because of their brother or sister. But once all of that is taken care of, now the body starts to function as it's supposed to. So now, when you look at this text, Every time you see verses 14 and 15, you ought to be able to go to that text and not have this lack of understanding toward, what does this mean? I thought Jesus had forgiven us once and for all for our sins, but yet this text is saying, well, if I don't forgive my brother, then I lose forgiveness with God. Now we see that this text's forgiveness is different than the forgiveness that we're talking about Christ for our once and for all sins. Just for um, informational purposes, even though we're able to see that now, the nuance that I want to let you know about, and I didn't write the words down they are kind of a little bit hard to spell, the once and for all forgiveness that the Bible talks about is the word karosamai, karosamai, And it, it talks about the idea of one Given an unconditional, gracious gift to somebody. That's the word charozomai. And so Jesus' forgiveness for us is unconditional, not only to show, not only that he blessed us, but also to show that he is a graceful or gracious God. But this word in this text that we're looking at now is called alphiomai. And alphiomai talks about sending away, and it talks about building a relationship. So now it comes back to what we talked about before, and so it gives us the nuance in which to work with in this text because if we look at this real closely, that is what it's about. It's about getting those relationships back on target. And it's he's not doing it because he's condemning us. Unforgiveness of a sinner who does not receive does not receive Jesus Christ and goes to hell is a condemnation, but this unforgiveness is a type of love or discipline toward his children. So now we change the we change the relationship of forgiveness in this text than what it is of unforgiveness toward the sinner. That makes sense, everybody. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now. We're no, we're actually, we're in Matthew 6, and we're looking at verses 14 and 15. I was trying to find a
2: You said, what was corozamine?
0: Corozamine. Let me see if I can spell it. I tried. I was trying. C H. What is it? Corozamine. C H A R O Z E M A I. It is a little difficult to spell. C-H-A-R-O-V-E-M-A-I. M-A-I. Karozami. C-H-A-R-O. C-H-A-R-O. got Did you get it?
2: It's like chair and Zomaya. C-H-A-I-R-Z-O-M-A-I.
0: There it is. Yeah, it's kind of like charisma, but then it's got a slightly different spelling. It's, it says to show favor, give freely.
2: Yeah,
0: and give freely, which also has the connotation of of an unconditional gift of graciousness. And then the other word is alphiomai. That one's a little A L P H, E, M E I something right along those lines is the other word. Alpha. Yeah, Alpha. Should be A L P H. E. M-E-I, something like that. See if you can look that one up right quick. A-H. A-L. Oh, A-L. Yeah, it should be like A-L-P-H. E-M-E-I, I believe. Mm
2: Well, you came
0: up with Alpha Omega, Alpha Med, Alpha Mo, and Alpha. Ah, now this one should end with an I. Yeah, nothing came up with an I. Nothing came up there. I can get that proper spelling for you as well. But that word is right along the line, Alphaeama. And it talks about, the, the, root, the root definition is about sending away. But there's also connotations that deal with relationship in that word. But what we were able to do, we, even without understanding those Greek words, we were able to look at the context of that passage and start to build those analogies, what Christ was really trying to say to us. He was talking about those relationships, and he wanted us to understand the weight that we put on our brother or sister when we don't forgive. And, and God the Father then puts that same weight on the unforgiving spirit to discipline us in love so that that person can be broken to then do what God requires of them to do and be a forgiving spirit. And then the body of Christ is rebuilt because now the one who needs forgiveness is now the weight is off of their shoulders and the one who needs to forgive the weight is off of their shoulders as well. Excuse I didn't mean to interrupt John. Amen. All right. So now, what we want to do is we want to double back to a subject that we were dealing with at the end of class last week. And that was that whole idea about fellowship. And I think it was, let's see, what, what were your last comments on that?
1: Well, uh... Me and sister Dudley, uh, we kind of got that all figured out and with, with what we were both saying. But my thing is we don't every day fellowship like we're not on the same accord as the unbeliever. That's but right. I do feel like that we have to, our position is to go out amongst the unbeliever Uh And fellowship with them. Now, if you're strong in God, if they're drinking at their gathering, that don't mean you have to drink. That's right. It shouldn't change. That's right. But your job is to go out there and to... uh, witness to them to try to be a vessel that he works through to save souls because we're not doing nothing but coming here doing that by coming here every sunday coming here every wednesday i mean we strengthen ourselves but he wants the dying world is what he wants and that that's what i was trying to say so it is some type of fellowship with the dying world to get them to come in. And sometimes you do. Like most of the time you do have to go out to them. Don't Absolutely. Mean you don't have to do what they do. That's but right. you have to go out to them. But you were saying there was two different fellowships in, in the word.
0: That's right. That's right. And so if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. That is correct. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. All right, Sister Edwards, read up verses 14 through
1: 18. I'm reading from the New King James. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Bel- Belial? Belial. Or what part has a believer with the unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, saying the Lord, Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty.
0: Amen. Amen. uh, That's uh, chapter chapter 6. 14 through 18. Now, in this. Passes of Scripture. Paul spends a lot of time dealing with fellowship. And this idea of fellowship, which I was calling biblical fellowship on last week, is the idea of fellowship of believer, believers. And the Greek word for that is kononia. And the idea of that is being able to share in the things of God, the spiritual things of God, no one can share in those things unless they have that great word that we use a lot, that starting with an A. That that Sister Edwards uses a lot of time. A. Yes, she uses this word, and it it works in so many areas. I don't have to something. Um, I need access. If If you're not a believer, you do not have access access. to the things of God. So if an unbeliever wants to try to share in the things of God with a believer, how can they when they don't have an access. access to God or the things of God? So this fellowship that he's talking about deals with the fellowship of being able to share in the things of God. Go ahead, so see. Like I'm
2: you said 1 Corinthians 6? 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. No, what? Yes. Like, what in yeah, words? that's
0: what that would do it, right there. That's 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Okay. Now, when we talk about that fellowship, we're talking about a fellowship by which two people can come together and share in the same thing. We can both share in the things of God with koinonia fellowship. Biblical, what I'm calling biblical fellowship is in the spirit of God. How can they fellowship if the spirits don't agree, if it's light, dark, righteous, lawlessness? And so from a spiritual perspective, There is no way an unbeliever can come in this place and sit down on this bench and go to where we go. To where we fellowship, never make it, because he or she does not have access. But we have access by the Holy Spirit to be able to come to a place where we can fellowship and agree in the Spirit and reach biblical truth and reach biblical reality through the power of the Holy Spirit, that an unbeliever never can. It is impossible for them to do it, for they have not the Holy Spirit. So, then we move to what Sister Edwards talked about, this, the other type of fellowship that's not what I call biblical fellowship or koinonia fellowship. Sister Edwards, what does that look like? When, when, When you go out into the community out into the world, and you fellowship with an unbeliever. What, what does that relationship look like?
1: What do you mean,
0: what does it look like? What, what is it, what, what, okay, when, when it's believers coming together, you can tell what it looks uh, like because the truth builds. We, we uh, can come together. But what happens with the unbeliever?
1: It's controversy. It's, okay. Yeah. Because you're trying to get them to... To, to understand, understand what your you're, where you're coming from, and they they can't totally. And I'm not gonna say they can't totally because a lot of people in the world where it says the, the laborers are few. I mean, the workers are few, but the laborers mm-hmm. are many. Or yeah, are absolutely. Mm-hmm. Laborers are few, yeah, but the, the workers. but the,
0: um, um, the workers harvest is plenty.
1: Yeah, so. I'm just kind of touchy with that because you don't even know where they at. All in
0: right. Hellwall. Okay. Out there. Okay. All right.
1: So, okay. it's it's a battle. It's a controversy with them uh, to get them where you at, because everybody is on a different level with Christ, and He convicts in all different ways with every individual. So it is a battle with them. But my thing is. That whole battle is God's.
0: All right. All right. You
1: need to be the worker going out there. And it could be one thing you say to them, even in that whole controversy, the whole twenty, thirty hour, whatever time you with them, <laughs> that could touch them.
0: All right, all right. And
1: bring them closer to God or make them want to examine themselves. And then I also look at you have an accessory prayer where you can for them. Uh-huh. And so I feel like in that fellowship, that is our job to be out there on a daily
0: basis. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, now in that fellowship, you brought up some good points about it too. And that is, is it a one-way or a two-way fellowship?
1: You, I don't think we can judge. Well, it looks to us as a one-way. They're not going where we're going and, and uh, quickly manner with fellowship and with them. So it, it appears to be one way, but again, you don't know where they're, because they're out in this world, you don't know where they came from, you don't know how much Christ is in them, so you really can't judge. Yes, it's one way going into it, but you don't know that it's, well, you think it's one way. It appears to be, because we just, we don't know.
0: Ah, now you bring out another good point. In the world of practical ministry, that's right, we can't tell necessarily who's saved and who's not saved. But in this question that I was asking, and that's a good point to bring up, but let's say theoretically you know that they're not saved. Okay. What kind of, is it going to be a one-way or two-way? One-way. It is, isn't it? (laughs) Because they're incapable Mm -hmm. Of accessing where you're coming from. Well, they, they cannot relate. So we can't have a real a real wholesome fellowship because fellowship is two-way. But then it's a one-way situation because they can't relate, they can't get access. That point in their life is to hear the word, to hear the gospel, and accept it. And until that happens, fellowship. Two-way fellowship can occur because the Holy Spirit has to be in them as well as in you in order to start fellowshipping. Now, going back to that practical piece, there is something else going on when we're out in the world ministering. The church at Corinth, the same church that got these two and actually three or more letters, they had an issue as believers. And what was that issue? What kind of church were they? They were a Carnal carnal church. What does that mean? That they was halfway in and halfway out. And, and what does that mean? Like
2: they they're still they coming to the church and stuff. They still doing their
0: own thing in the world. They're huh. They're coming to church and they have who in they have yeah. the
2: They have the Holy Spirit.
0: Because they're believers, but they were in the world still. Still in the world. And what was the effect of trying to live in the world but yeah. be a believer? What was happening to their minds? Corrupt and they were having worldly thoughts, right? And so Paul was working with them, trying to to, to minister them and break down the rocky soil of their hearts, where they are now they're not accepting Christ, they're saved, but they're out living carnally, and now their minds are in a carnal state where they're not receiving the word the way they need to, but they are receiving it, right? Because they are children of God. If they couldn't, why would would Paul be writing all this information to them? They couldn't understand it anyway. But they could. And that purpose was the second thing that you were saying. There are people out there that ain't in church. That looking like they're not even Christians. But they're really carnal Christians. They're really Christians who are walking carnally. And when you minister to them, that ministering is a little different than it is to a true unbeliever, a true one who has not been saved because now it's all about bringing the word to them so that they be corrected and disciplined and brought back into the fold. Once again, the battle is still not ours. It's still the Lord's. But the Lord uses us as his vessel in order to bring his word to them. And that's right, you, can't, you really can't judge whether or not one is carnal Christian or they're unbeliever. So you go out and do the work of the ministry and then you let, it, you let God do the rest. But in the same token, it's going to be a little difficult for you to have true fellowship with a Christian that's walking carnally too, right. why? They have to surrender all. And their mind is in a state of carnality. carnality. Like they, I
2: think, they, like what they think is right, really ain't all
0: the way right. All right, but what does the Bible now? Now we got to watch something too. We're not going because their minds are carnal state; they're sinning. The Lord is allowing them to get. You know, he the, the relationship between them and the Lord is 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 weak. They're they're falling into temptation. When you minister to them, how because I don't know how this works sometimes, but sometimes the Lord tells you who you're dealing with. You can't do it, but the Spirit will lay it on you. That's right. He will say, Now this is one of mine. He'll too he'll let you know from time to time. Sometimes we don't know. But then at other times, he does in our ministry. So when we're ministering to them, what kind of mindset should we have? If the Lord reveals to you that that is a believer who's walking in carnality, how are we supposed to deal with them?
2: As if they're one of
0: us. That's right. And to do it in what way? Out of love. Out of love. Let's take a look at something real quick. Galatians. Chapter 6. Sister McDaniel, when you find that, um, read verse 1. New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, if
1: another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly touch that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation
0: yourself. Amen. So when, when the Spirit allows us to see one of our brothers or one of our sisters that has backslidden, if you will, is out in the world, we are to minister to them, not talking down against them, not, not being rough with them, but this text says, to treat them how? As you're one of you're you're gentle. gentle. Why?
2: Because you don't want to get offended. I mean, you don't want to come off like you judge them Like you judge like, them like you, you, judge you better, better than them. Alright. You, really you want to put them in a the comfortable state. To, to, in a comfortable position to let them know, you know, that no, no, there's no one perfect.
0: Alright. What does that text say? What's the end part of that text? Because y'all on not but what does it say? Was the end. Right. The reason why. So, so we won't fall
2: into the same temptation.
0: That's right. Because what we have to understand is it's only by the grace of God yeah. that we ain't yeah. right. where they are. Yeah. And so we must never forget where we came, where from. We, where we came from and where we could be. Right. And when the Spirit lets us know that, we don't condemn them and right. we don't treat them rough. It, but could right. we it could be us. That's right. It could be us next. Just help them get back. That's right, because next time it could be us. All right, amen. That's it for tonight. Praise the Lord.